be turning to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah, chapter 1. While you're turning, another prayer request, and this came to my attention yesterday in the middle of the preparations for the uh, wedding yesterday afternoon. Uh, I talked to uh, Carolyn Pry. David Pry's sister, Anna Weeks, lives down in the Destin, Florida uh, area, has been in the hospital, I believe with some uh, pneumonia and those kind of issues, and was not feeling real well, and, and they just called and, and asked if David and Carolyn could come down. So when, when sis calls and asks you to come down, you, you go down and see if you can help them out. They're on the road today, so I'm going to ask that you would uh, pray for traveling safety for Carolyn and uh, David as they go. And then, of course, for uh, his sister, Anna Weeks. Uh, they're not sure how long they're going to be there or what they're going to be doing, but uh, they'll be down there for a while, so please remember them. And then, of course, uh, on my page, there's two things I want to mention. First of all, uh, Saturday, if you'd like to go to a good gospel concert, this is an annual thing that's been going on for several years now. Uh, EIM is hosting a gospel concert at First Baptist Church Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. The five groups will be there that are typically there at the, their concerts. These are uh, groups that support the Shepherd Bag program and everywhere they go they support the program and ask for people to help out in some way with EIM and the Shepherd Bag program, some of the other ministries with EIM. And so we'll have a, a big concert uh, that evening at uh, First Baptist Church. Love offering will be taken. All the proceeds will be given of course to EIM for the Shepherd Bag ministry. And the next Sunday morning one of the groups uh, which uh, is the Kinsman Quartet will be here at Brister, and they'll be taking care of this, the uh, music for the morning service. Now, one of the members of the Kinsman Quartet has been here before. Uh, his name is Gerald Williams. He's the bass singer that was with the Melody Boys Quartet for about 50 years. Uh, excellent bass singer. Thought he'd get off the road and retire, but I think that probably lasted for about a month or so, and he had to get back into it. And so he's doing a little bit of gospel singing. You come and invite a friend. It'll be a good time to be uh, at Brister. Also, of course, uh, you had see in your, in your bulletin the Mission World magazine that we mentioned in the bulletin, how you can subscribe to that. If you're interested in BMA missions, you're interested in what's going on around the world and what the BMA is doing in the world of missions, this is the magazine you'd like to get. There's free copies at each table uh, on the way out if you'd like to pick one of those up. You have the information on how you sub can subscribe. Uh, it's free, and every time that the uh, staff at the missions department mentions this magazine to me, they say it is free. Uh, they do recommend if you can help out with a donation to cover, of course, some of the production costs that you would uh, give a $10 donation. We will be giving, getting a special offering together on uh, February the 26th for the general fund of the BMA. Now, I'll go over uh, of what this, of course, covers and a little bit later on, closer to the time of the offering. But one of these is to take care of production costs, which is some of the videos and some of these things that they take care of at the missions office. But pick one up and see what's going on in the world of missions. And throughout the, uh, the upcoming weeks, until February the 26th, we will be having some uh, special guests come in, and we'll be talking about missions and finding our place in missions as a church but also every single one of us has a place in God's plan of reaching the nations. Now, if you remember, 
about sometime back in the fall, we began a new study in that we were walking through the prophets in chronological order. And we started with the book of Amos. And of course, we kind of interrupted our walk through the prophets for the holiday season. And now, of course, we're going back into the season after New Year's, which is about a six-week span or a two-month span as we look at missions. And it might seem that we interrupted our walk through the prophets to look at the missions program. But as we look at God's planning, the next prophet that we would be looking at in the schedule of chronological events is the prophet Jonah. The events that took place here and the time that this, this book was penned was just about the same time as the book of Amos that we looked at. And as we look at the book of Jonah, what is the emphasis of the book of Jonah? Missions emphasis. Because what is going on in the first few verses of the book of Jonah? God is sending a man from here to preach the gospel to a country over there. Folks, that's mission work. And so the emphasis through the whole book of Jonah, missions, international missions. He was indeed a foreign missionary sent from one country to preach the gospel to another country. And of course, we can learn a lot from this little book. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that your word is just as vital today as it has been through the centuries. So you have a message for us today, for our world right now. So we ask that you would just speak to each of us personally. Speak to us as a church, your church, to find our place in your plan. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What do we think about when we hear the name of Jonah? Of course, as we notice all of the, the Bible school lessons and the Sunday school lessons, when you think of Jonah, you always think of that big fish. Jonah and what? The whale. However, the big fish is one of the smallest parts of the story of Jonah. If you do a little bit of investigating, you notice the fish or the big fish is mentioned only four times. The spotlight is not on Nineveh. However, you notice Nineveh is mentioned nine times in the book of Jonah. Jonah, go to Nineveh. So you'd think the spotlight's on Nineveh. Well, Jonah has his name all over this book. His name is mentioned 18 times in this book. But you know, what is the spotlight really on in the book of Jonah? The name of God is mentioned 38 times here. So even though we may think of Jonah and immediately think of the big fish, God's in the spotlight. And specifically, the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Did you know the word of the Lord is mentioned seven times in the book of Jonah? So as we look throughout the book of Jonah, this is indeed a book of mission emphasis. And mission emphasis is simply preaching and teaching and sharing the word of the Lord, not only out there, but starting right here. 
And Jonah did both. First thing we need to look at before we walk through this book is the validity of the book. You know, a lot of scholars have been kind of uncomfortable with this business of the big fish and all that went on here. So they try to, of course, make soften the blow a little bit to modern society and say, well, Jonah really didn't happen. Jonah really wasn't a real guy. This was just a, a fable. This was just something like, like you'd make up a story to teach a good lesson about obeying God. Well, as we look into God's word, we realize the book of Jonah, the man Jonah, and the travels of Jonah are not fables, but Jonah was an actual man who lived in history. Two passages of scripture. Turn back to 2 Kings chapter 14. Second Kings chapter 14. Now Kings is just a history of the nation of Israel. It's a running chronological history book of, of Israel and all the kings and some of the activities. It is an actual historical account. It is a ledger of things that happened and people who really lived. In the 15th year, of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king of Samaria and reigned 41 years. And we look at verse 24. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of God, listen to this, which he had spoken through his prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. In this history book, in this ledger of places and people and events, here is Jonah. It tells us who his daddy was. It tells us where he was from. I would say that that pretty much anchors the fact that Jonah was an actual man who lived in an actual time. His credentials are listed here. You can go back and see his name in the record book. So we understand this is not just a fable. Also, Jonah and his travels are acknowledged by Jesus Christ. Look in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. So you have an anchor point in the Old Testament concerning Jonah, other than his book. And then you have an anchor point in the New Testament concerning Jonah. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered and saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed are greater than Jonah is here. Jesus summarizes the whole book. He talks about Jonah. He talks about the great fish. He talks about Jenna, Nineveh. He talks about their 
repentance. Over and over again, everything that's mentioned in the book of Jonah, mentioned by Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but the endorsement of Jesus Christ seals the deal. That's all I need to know. Jesus acknowledged the validity of the book of Jonah and, of course, the reality that Jonah existed. So as we look at the book of Jonah, this is not just a fable or a story that was made up to talk to people about the will of God and following the will of God. This really happened. I want to look at the prevailing emphasis of the entire book. That is found in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. Now there's where the whole action starts in the book of Jonah. He says, go to Nineveh. But there's a big message and a small word before we see that word go. It says, arise and go to Nineveh. Now, now why would that word be, be significant? Because you think the most important word is the fact, go to Nineveh. But he didn't say just go to Nineveh. Arise and go to Nineveh. Two things about this word, arise. First of all, it conveys a sense of urgency. Now, in the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, you remember, of course, the wise men came from the east, and they came, and they fell down and worshiped Jesus Christ. They were asking King Herod where the Christ child would be and where the born king of Israel would be, and they came, and God warned them not to go back to Herod. And then after that, God warned Joseph in a dream and he said you arise and take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt Herod's a bad man and bad things are coming he didn't just tell him to go he said arise what he meant is you get up and go that word arise means it's urgent you haven't got time to dabble around you haven't got time to determine your route you just got to go now and you've got to get your things together now get up and go. It's urgent. But also, this word arise is an indication of possible disobedience. The word arise is used again in a parable of Jesus Christ. And you remember the prodigal son. The prodigal son who decided he had a better idea than daddy. He wanted all his money now. And he was going to get all of his money now. And he gathered it all up and he spent all of his money. He ended up in the pig pen feeding pigs, a Jewish young man feeding pigs. It was horrible. He was so hungry. He said, I would, I would really like to eat the, the stuff the pigs are eating. And then he said, I've got a plan. I will arise and go back to daddy. Now the word arise here means a change of direction. He's heading the wrong direction. He's doing all the wrong things. He's in the wrong place. And so the word arise here means I've got to change everything. God comes to Jonah and he says, arise, go to Nineveh. There's an implication here. Perhaps Jonah wasn't doing what God had intended for him to do all along. And he was just sitting down and Jonah has to have a word from God. Jonah, you get up. Get up. That probably is the most urgent and prevailing message to Christians today. Because sometimes we get a tendency to just sit down. We get a tendency to just be there. Nothing's going on. Nothing's really active in our life. Things aren't really happening. 
And we may be like Jonah, and God has something for us to do, but before he gets to business and giving us our marching orders, he has to say, get up, arise, enough of this, change your direction, change your activity. Things are not going. You're not in a place where you need to be, and you need to first and foremost recognize this and get up. Now, when you get up, and I've got your attention, then I'll tell you where to go and what to do. In this book, we have the persistence of God's mercy. This book is so comforting because it tells us of the ability of second chances. Chapter 3, verse 1, we have the second chance for Jonah. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah, what, the second time. He blew it the first time. Ever done that? Ever blown it? Ever messed up? You ever drop the ball when it comes to your life for the Lord? I would say all of us have. All of us, despite our best intentions, despite our commitments to God, despite how urgent and intense we are, we turn around and we found out, man, I've dropped the ball. I've really messed up. It could be something we've done or said, or it could be a whole bunch of stuff we hadn't done that we needed to do. But I think we all in our lives can see times where we've dropped the ball, and you may be right there right now, but look at the book of Jonah and the encouragement, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah, what? The second time. He blew it. He blew it royally. But God gave him a second chance to do what was right, and the fact that you're here means that God's given you a second chance. The fact that you're here right now, hearing this message, giving us a chance to arise, turn around, and make it right. But also, there was a second chance for somebody else. You see, this isn't all about Jonah. This trip wasn't about Jonah. God had his eye on Nineveh. And Nineveh needed the word of God because he said, their wickedness has come up before me. And what that meant was like smoke coming up. He said, Nineveh stinks to high heaven. And I can smell them. And it's not good. And their wickedness has come all the way up here. They are so bad. If you do a little bit of homework, you realize the Ninevites were some bad people. They were some cruel people. If there's ever a society that was broken and needed the word of God, it was Nineveh. So God comes to Jonah and says, these people are in an urgent need of help. Arise. You don't have time to dabble around. Judgment's coming. Nineveh's broken. Arise. You go right now. We need to get somebody over there to tell them about God's word. Well, Jonah blew it, didn't he? And he goes exactly the, the opposite direction. Time's lost. Looks like he's disqualified from serving God because he didn't just dabble around. He directly defied God and went the other way. I've had it with you, Jonah. Disqualified. Everybody out of the pool. The word of God came to Jonah a second time. Why? Not for Jonah's sake, but for Nineveh's sake. God gave Nineveh a second chance. And God gives this country and people all over the world, those second chances because he sends us, his children, with a message of the love of Jesus Christ. You see, the book of Nineveh is all about grace and mercy of God. He didn't owe Jonah a second chance. He didn't owe Nineveh a second chance. But he worked hard 
to make sure both of them got their second chance. And we have a, a, a second chance too. Or that's just rhetorically speaking. It's not a second chance. It's like a, a hundredth chance because we blow it a lot of times, don't we? Then I want to look at one last thing because I think sometimes we make the same mistake as Jonah. And you may be there right now, and that is the unreachable destination of Tarshish. You see, Jonah got up, but he went the wrong direction. He went down to Joppa, caught him a ship going to Tarshish. Never got there. Well, where was Tarshish? Well, scholars have not actually found the ruins of the town of Tarshish to say this is exactly where it was, but ancient records geographically show Tarshish to be a port city way over in Spain. Now, that doesn't mean a lot for us today when we talk about air travel and so forth, but a 1,000 years B.C., that was about the edge of the Western world. They didn't know a whole lot about anything over beyond Tarshish. That was as far as you could get away from anything. Did you catch that? Jonah was trying to get to the edge of the world to get away from God. Tarshish geographically was probably about the ultimate end of a shipping lane. But he never got there because we want to look at Tarshish spiritually for a few minutes. Not the geographical Tarshish that would be on a map somewhere, but the Tarshish in Jonah's dreams. You see, God was working with Jonah. God said, Jonah, you arise, go to Nineveh. I have work for you to do. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some effort. It's not going to be easy, but I need you to do that because my work demands that somebody go and talk to these people. Jonah wanted none of it. So what Jonah thought, if I could just get away from the possibility of getting to Nineveh, if I could get away from God's will, and I can get away from God's service to Tarshish, I would find maybe some peace of mind. I've got to get away from this because I can't stay here and deal with this call. I can't stay here and deal with God having this conviction that I need to be doing something. I need to get away and be at peace. So he thought that he could go to Tarshish and find a place where he could be at peace away from the will of God. And he never got there. And neither will we. Because there is no place where we can find peace apart from the will of God. Tarshish will never, ever be reached. Jonah never got there. You'll never get there. I'll never get there. We run from God, we'll never find Tarshish where we can finally land and be at peace. Because God won't give us peace. There is no peace away from the will of God. There is no peace away from the presence of God. And I know God is everywhere. But this word away from the presence of God, he was talking about away from a relationship with God. And there's no peace in your life and mine away from a relationship with God. Oh, we can run. We can find ourselves busy. But let me tell you, there'll always be chaos and agitation. There'll always be trouble. There'll always be dissatisfaction. There'll always be something that troubles our hearts away from God. You'll never find it. Tarshish 
spiritually doesn't exist. But oh, we go there. We go for it. We go that direction. We think if we can only this and only that, anything but the will of God. It's not happening. It's not happening. And maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're away from God's will. And you see the word of the Lord came to Jonah what? Second time. The word of God's coming to you this time. We prepare for an invitational hymn. And let me just say this. Like Jonah, in your life, there is no place, no occupation, no relationship, no activity, no amount of possessions, no recreation, nowhere will you find peace if you're away from the will of God. And if you're turning and going away from God, you'll never get to Tarshish, never get there. There'll never be a place of peace away from God's will. God's will is that you'd be saved. God's will is that you'd be active in his service. God's will is that we'd live a life to please him. Anything less, we're heading to Tarshish. We won't get there, and it's a bumpy ride to go nowhere.